0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: It's tribe time now. Hey, 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 one, two, tribe Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe, time now. tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive. Helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.
3: Welcome to Tribe Talk, Jim Rosenhouse, along with you this weekend as we join you from home, as the stay-at-home rules are very much in effect uh, throughout the state of Ohio and and beyond, most of the country now, due to COVID-19 and the threat of spread. So, uh, the Indians, like every team in Major League Baseball, every sports team. Silent now as the season would have begun. We're about three weeks into this. In fact, a little bit more than three weeks since spring training was suspended and the regular season was pushed back for an indeterminate amount of time. So we join you from home. Good show lined up for you today. Hope you can stay with us in the second half of our show. We will be joined by Adam Pletko, Indian starting pitcher, who is back home in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And we'll catch up with Adam, find out what he's been up to to try and keep in shape at a time when he really doesn't know when he will be able to pitch in a major league game. And, and it certainly is an interesting time for for pitchers and position players throughout baseball to try and figure things out, creative ways because of social distancing to try and stay in shape and stay sharp so if and when we can get back to playing baseball uh, they will be ready to go at, at a very short period of time, and it'll be interesting to see how that transpires. But obviously, first things first, as uh, we have to get through this virus and see if it will indeed subside instead of increase. Also on our show today, we will take a look back at the life and times of Ed Farmer, the longtime White Sox broadcaster who passed away earlier this week. He started his major league pitching career as a member of the Cleveland Indians, and we'll take a look back at Eddie's career with Indians' uh, senior vice president, Bob DiBiasio. He'll fill us in with a tribe tale on uh, some great stories with Ed Farmer, who unfortunately passed away earlier this week at the age of 70. But we begin our show today with a visit from Penny Forster. Penny works in the Indians' front office as the manager of corporate and community partnerships, and right now... uh, Teams throughout baseball, teams throughout the area, the major league teams in Northeast Ohio, the Indians, the Cavaliers, the Browns, all to some extent are trying to do their part to help the situation and and help us battle the spread of coronavirus here in Northeast Ohio. And for the Indians, that means a, a really, really long time and good partnership with the Cleveland Clinic and the tribe trying to do what they can to help make sure that the clinic has supplies and awareness to get through this in in what is expected to become more dire circumstances in terms of available beds, available supplies, all of the things needed to help those who are inflicted with the coronavirus at this point in time, and those numbers are expected to grow. So when we caught up with Penny, she fills us in on, on what the Indians are doing for and with the clinic to try and help.
0: Yes, obviously the clinic is an important partner of ours, but they're an even more important partner to the city of Cleveland to all of our fans. So we are doing what we can and sharing information with our fans on what you know they can potentially do as well. Um, there's some pretty simple things out there that the clinic has um, given us information on, so we're happy to support them however we can.
3: And I know part of that is, and it's already started, being able to, to hand over some supplies that could be critical. And mm-hmm. I know Seth Cooper at, at uh, Ballpark Ops has been a, a big key to that. What are you guys doing there?
0: Yes, yeah, so Seth has gone through and basically found whatever supplies we had at the clinic had on their list of needs. So we've given them you know, gloves and protective masks, um, everything from dish soap to Kleenex. Our merchandise department was able to gather about 2,700 ponchos that we have, um, you know, given the clinic, you know, how they use those things are, are really up to them. But there were things that they listed as potential needs. So we wanted to make sure we shared what we had.
3: And, and fans may be wondering, well, why would the Indians have all that stuff? And, and what is that <laughs> normally used for if we're having a season?
0: We have a, a giant place to clean. So we do a lot of cleaning, as, as fans probably have come to expect. So um, all of that is used in our normal cleaning. And, and we had it on stock, you know, getting ready for the season.
3: Penny Forster joining us, talking about some of the good things the Indians are trying to do to to help awareness and also supplies for the Cleveland Clinic. And and in terms of awareness, uh, what are Mm -hmm. some of the ways uh, that the Indians can help there and and have their fans help the Cleveland Clinic?
0: So we have actually set up a a page on the indians.com website. It's called, uh, if you go to indians.com, go to the community section and then Tribe Inspires. And on there, we have some updates from the Cleveland Clinic and others on ways you could help. But the clinic has made this um, incredible, what they call a kudo wall, that will be running in all of their facilities um, and break rooms and cafeterias and places where their caregivers can constantly see this. And the kudo wall is a place where anyone can send any type of video or text message in support of those caregivers and what they're doing. So we started it off, um, we sent a video from Adam Simber, um, he obviously has a special tie to this, as I think his wife is a nurse. So he felt um, strongly about supporting our caregivers here in Cleveland. And that video is up there, along with videos and text messages from all over the world, people just sharing their support of what those people on the front line are doing right now.
3: And I, I know you have relationships with, with some of the administrative people at the clinic, but what wall? Mm-hmm. Uh, what can that mean for someone who's gone through a long shift and is taking a break?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we all see those videos on the news and we hear about, you know, the hours that they're working and what they're going through and what they're seeing. And I think just seeing, you know, for a few minutes, some messages from people that, that they don't know, but just people that understand what they're going through and, and really wish them all the support the world because they're doing things that you and I could probably never do. So kudos to them, literally on the kudos wall.
3: And when you look around at, at some of the ways the, the Indians and in Major League Baseball can help, it seems like so many companies are are being creative to get the needed materials to to the people who need it most fanatics is a a uniform maker explain what they're doing to to help out
0: yes so fanatics is basically taking all of their factories where they're making normally making jerseys and uniforms and turning that into making masks for hospitals so they started with the state of pennsylvania working with the governor of pa just because that's where they're headquartered but we reached out to them yesterday with the Cleveland Clinic, and they're going to work with the clinic on providing masks as soon as possible to the clinic. Um, they actually have a large warehouse here in Ohio, so they were happy to support Ohioans as well. So hopefully um, those masks are delivered soon. And just whatever we can do to connect some of our partners where there's needs, you know, that's, that's what we want to do right now.
3: And, uh, Penny, just in closing, the, the website again uh, for the Indians and what people can do on our website and also for the clinic.
0: Yes, go to Indians.com backslash community backslash Tribe Inspires. You can also follow Tribe Inspires on all of our social, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you'll find the information there as well.
3: Awesome stuff. Thanks, Penny.
0: Thank you, Rosie.
3: Good stuff there from Penny Forster, part of the Indians front office, the manager of corporate and community partnerships, and of course all the, the sports teams in Northeast Ohio trying to do their part. to to help the situation here and and help the Cleveland Clinic and the other hospitals as well that are doing such great work to try and stay ahead of this thing and help those who need it at this point in time. Well, we hope you can stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Indians Senior Vice President Bob DiBiaseo, a look back at the life and times of a a former Cleveland Indian pitcher, longtime Major League pitcher, and longtime broadcaster to Ed Farmer. That's coming up on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you as we join you from home with the uh, continuation of the stay-at-home rules in the state of Ohio due to COVID-19 and the outbreak of coronavirus throughout the nation and throughout the world, really. And as we continue on our show today, some sad news from the game of baseball earlier this week. A former Cleveland Indian and longtime broadcaster for the Chicago White Sox, Ed Farmer, passed away at the age of 70 in his uh, home near the south side of Chicago. He was a Chicago native. You talk about a great fit. Here's a White Sox broadcaster who grew up on the south side of Chicago, went to St. Rita's High School in Chicago, and then Chicago State, both of those on the south side, And uh, Eddie began his pro baseball career at the age of 17. He was drafted out of high school by the Cleveland Indians in the fifth round back in uh, 1967, the June amateur draft then, and he made it to the major leagues for the first time in a Cleveland Indians uniform at the age of 21, so uh, first in pro ball at a very young age at 17, and then the major leagues. In, uh, 1971 at the age of 21 and whenever the Indians would play the White Sox uh, always great to visit with Ed Farmer and he would tell stories about those days in the minor leagues for him early on uh, still a teenager and some of the things that he went to some of the the hazing that young ballplayers went through back in that time and that continued of course in his rookie season at the age of just 21 with the Indians. He ended up pitching in 43 games that season and went 5-4 and four for the Tribe with an ERA of 4.35. And he was a mainstay out of the pen for the Tribe the next couple of seasons. He eventually uh, would move on and, and was traded and pitched in the major leagues for the Tigers, the Phillies, the Orioles, Milwaukee. Texas and and then his hometown White Sox toward the tail end of his career and uh, some good times along the way. Uh, Some big seasons too. He was the White Sox closer back in 1980 season and ended up saving 30 games but again it it all began with the Cleveland Indians in his major league career over three seasons with the tribe ended up with 12 saves and uh, an ERA about four and a half and when you consider uh, those years were in his early 20s not bad over what turned out to be an 11-year major league career that featured 75 saves and uh, then that second career there was some front office time for him but then that uh, that great experience as a White Sox broadcaster and uh, myself and Tom we saw him uh, when the Indians played the White Sox in the exhibition season down in Glendale uh, about a week to 10 days prior to spring training being shut down and we had a chance to visit with Eddie and Uh, Gosh, he was a funny man. He really was. And on the backside of of what we'll get to here shortly, I'll uh, pass along some of my thoughts on Ed Farmer and and what he meant to a a young Major League broadcaster just breaking in uh, not that long ago. So first, let's get to Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio with a tribe tale with Ed Farmer. And I think you'll find this is uh, highly entertaining as it usually was with Eddie.
2: Home it's time for another tribe tale with indians vice president bob DiBiasio. joining me now is former tribe hurler ed farmer ed thank you for taking the time to be with us bob it's nice to be back here in cleveland nice to see you again eaton ed farmer where did that come from uh, that came when i came uh, i was one of the players that came to spring training uh You know, guys were asking me the other day about, you know, when did you come up? Who would you come up with? I said, right here in Cleveland. And uh, went to spring training with a big league team after a year, and not even a year, two months of rookie ball right out of high school on the south side of Chicago. And uh, went to Sarasota, pitched there, and uh, didn't know really what was going on. It was learning how to be a professional, more or less. And went 3-0 there And the next spring. Alvin Dark was the manager. And they brought me in to throw batting practice. You know, that's all it was. And wound up appearing in uh, three or four games and got sent down. And at that time, I thought it was, you know, something to do with I was on the AAA team. Well, the AAA team at that time came in first after the big league team. And then a week later, the A team came in. And then the A-ball team came in after that. So I was more or less going to, to AAA for about six days, A for about six days, and then the A-ball. And uh, they needed a pitcher to back up in Palm Springs one uh, series, four days. And they brought me back, and I wound up pitching four innings on a Saturday there and not giving up a hit and striking out eight. And then the buzz started to come around, what's with this guy? And I think Russ Snyder and uh, Bob Sudek were the guys who uh, coined that phrase. And I told them that, uh, you know, I tried to consume 30 hamburgers, but they were they were the little <laughs> the you know, white burgers. castles. Yeah, they were the little <laughs> white castles. And the legend started to grow from that. And people still, you know, they'll say that to me. And, Very cordial with them, and uh, very nice to be remembered here in Cleveland, other than for pitching uh, and more for eating sometimes, (laughs) and thank goodness. But your career did start here. You were a fifth-round selection in 1967 draft right out of St. Rita High School in Chicago, as you mentioned. Reflect on your time in Cleveland. I had a great time here. Uh, People were very nice. You know, we rushed to the big leagues. At that time, you know, you were trying to stay here and trying to get the team turned around, but never really knew uh, what was going on until I interviewed John Hart when the White Sox were closing out Cleveland Stadium, which spent some days there, three years there. And when they were turning out the lights, it was an emotional time for me, but I didn't let anybody know that because I knew the Indians were going to be moving into a baseball facility and that Art Modell, he would be looking for a new tenant. And when I found out from John Hart exactly what was happening, I had no idea, neither did any of the players, that the Indians never got a concession over there at Cleveland Stadium, not one. So they were living on ticket revenue, and you can't exist on that parking and well, food, the concessions, and, I mean, all that stuff is intertwined. And never knew why some of the better players were traded early, but some of the guys were gone quickly. I followed suit, and uh, you look at some of the guys that went to the Yankees with Gabe Paul and actually turned that team into a championship team, and they were mostly Cleveland Indians players. And then Gabe got me over there, and I refused to go. I, I them, Really? Yeah, refused to go. There was a deal there where I had to sit out for a week because they had to get uh, waivers on one of the pitchers there. And I told him, I said, you know what, uh, maybe I should make my own deal or I'm going to go back and get my degree at med school. And he said, uh, well, nobody wants you. The Yankees want me, but nobody else <laughs> well wants, wants me. That's, that's hard to believe <laughs> exactly. now. So uh, He wrote out a letter, and uh, I had to make two copies of it, and I was a free agent for 48 hours, and I signed with the Phillies the next afternoon. It was a Philadelphia Philly. Well, oh, that's wonderful. Eddie, it was great catching up with you. Uh, continued great health and success, and on behalf of Tribe fans everywhere, we wish you and yours the very, very best. Thanks, Bob. It's always nice to come home where you started. It's great to see you. look forward to seeing you and all the people whenever we come here to Cleveland. Thank you, sir. Eddie Farmer, our latest Tribe tale.
3: Now we thank Bobby D for that Tribe tale. It was uh, several years back, obviously, but uh, some great stories about the life and times of Ed Farmer, and certainly he'll be missed, and I know he'll be missed by uh, fans of the White Sox. If you have a chance and you can find some old tapes or or recent uh, recordings of a White Sox broadcast, if you haven't heard a game called by Ed Farmer and his partner, Darren Jackson, do yourself a favor and and try and find one. It's a different style of broadcast, but it's a lot of fun and a lot of good stories from Ed Farmer, who passed away earlier this week at the age of 70 stay tuned when we come back we'll hear from adam pletko indian starting pitcher he's trying to keep it going and stay sharp somehow during this time where there's social distancing and players don't know when if there'll be a season here in 2020 but we'll check in with adam from his home down in the dallas fort worth area when we return after this timeout on the cleveland clinic indians radio network Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from home as we continue the the stay-at-home rules as uh, instituted by the state of Ohio and much of the nation due to the coronavirus. And as we continue on our show today, we are joined by Adam Pletko, Indian starting pitcher who's back home in the Dallas-Fort Worth area trying to stay sharp and in shape, baseball shape if he can, as uh, the Indians and every other team in baseball and every sports team waits out Uh, the social distancing and the shutdown of major sporting events uh, due to issues involving uh, the coronavirus and uh, Adam Pletko, he's really made a, a nice progression here in his career and last year really had a breakthrough season, making 20 starts for the Indians. Got called up initially when there were injuries earlier in the season to the starting rotation, and, man, it just seemed every time the Indians needed a quality start, they got it from Adam Pletko, who finished the year at 7-5 and five with an ERA of 4.86. But, uh, again, Uh, Several key appearances for Pletko that allowed the Indians to stay in the hunt for a postseason berth. And um, for Pletko, it was his third major league season or parts of uh, his third major league season and easily the best for him at the major league level. For Pletko, spring training this year really looked good as he was bearing down on a spot in the Indians starting rotation at the beginning of the season and, and wanted to be a big part of that throughout the year. And uh, like everyone else, on March the 12th, that came to an end. After a weekend of staying in Goodyear, where he was uh, trying to see if the Indians would continue to stay together as a ball club, uh, that ended. The team was uh, told to head home and and go home, be safe with your families. Uh, They could not participate in workouts at the Indians Complex in Goodyear, Arizona. So he drove home that following Monday, and since then, It's been the challenges of of trying to stay sharp and prepared if and when baseball does return. And when we caught up with Adam, he talked about how this has been the most strange time in a baseball season that he's ever been a part
1: of. Yeah, it's really strange. And it's not like I can go to my normal gym or wherever I work out, which is a few different places. You know, I, I went online as quickly as I could and uh, bought a few home equipment stuff and some stuff that I had and just trying to make do as best I possibly can.
3: When did you first get an idea that that it could come to this point as as spring training was moving along?
1: Uh, you know, I don't really have a good answer for you. It just all developed so quickly. And the more that we continue to get information from uh, uh, Chris and, and Mike Chernoff, um, the the more we got from them and the more that we heard from the players association, it all just kind of happened. And now we're, we all understand it a little bit better, but um, to give you a good answer there, there wasn't a time where it really hit until I was driving home from Arizona back to uh, Dallas.
3: And as strange a week, I'm sure as, as you may have had, in your baseball career because there, there were a couple of rainouts actually in Arizona. So yes. that, that made things different. And then, as you mentioned, you are getting all that information as, as odd a week as you ever been a part of in this game.
1: 100%. I mean, you've been a part of tough weeks. You've been a part of weeks that, you know, there's a bunch of rainouts and different things like that, but you've never been a part of a week that season's been canceled. I can only think of uh minor league playoffs in 2017 when, uh, that hurricane was hit the east coast um, where things were legitimately canceled and that's something that you can prepare for a little bit a little bit more.
3: when you look back at at when you got the news you mentioned it, you really didn't home, hit home till you were driving home. Uh, obviously the spring training suspended on that Thursday, I think it was the the eleventh or twelfth Mm-hmm. When did when did you guys finally get word that because I think initially there was a thought maybe teams would stay together. But when did you get word that it was that you had to go home?
1: Um, I think it was that Sunday um, following that Thursday where everything was suspended. Um, I, we all kind of got together as a team. Uh, Chris Antonetti uh, sat down with us and just talked through everything and kind of explained Uh, in more detail uh, about what was coming next. And I believe that at the time he had more information than for sure us players did and probably more information than a lot of uh, other execs because we were one of the first ones to understand the gravity about what was going to happen next. And um, so that Sunday we all met and that Monday, uh, the 16th, I started driving back home.
3: We're visiting with Adam Pletko, Indians pitcher, and obviously he's, he's back home and, uh, we're here in Ohio. Schools have closed and, uh, I think Ohio is one of the, the first states to implement a lot of the, the shutdowns and, and social distancing. How have things been in, in your area? Uh,
1: it's, it's about the same. Our state as a whole does not have the stay at home, um, um, order or whatever you want to call it. Um, we, we in Dallas County do have a stay at home order, um, so it, I would imagine it's pretty similar to what Cleveland is right now. My wife and I are just trying to eat at some local restaurants and social distance as best we can, and try and support you know some of the the local economy um, versus just going to any of the big places. And um, overall, we're just we're just making do. Like I think everybody's making do right now, you know. And from a baseball
3: standpoint. Uh, What can you do? What are you trying to do to either stay in shape or or rebuild or or maybe take a step back?
1: Yeah, our our strength staff, our medical staff, everybody's been in contact with us and and trying to provide resources and help out any way they possibly can. So I've been in uh, a lot of contact with our strength staff and um, they helped me uh, purchase some gym equipment for home that we could use. Uh, our medical staff is checking in, and uh, from our player development staff, they're sending us links for how to buy nets. Uh, our clubbies are sending us baseballs when we need them. So everybody's all in, trying to help from from afar. It, it's pretty pretty wild, to be quite honest with you.
3: And as a pitcher, I mean, you mentioned before you you made your way home. You threw a, about a four inning bullpen, and. Gosh, it seemed like spring training was going along the way it's supposed to for you. Uh, how far along were you, and and how much of a step back has this been uh, the last couple of weeks?
1: I think I was one, maybe two outings away from from starting the season. Um, uh, I think it was two outings. So I would have thrown four innings. Um, I would have thrown um, you know, five and five and six innings. I threw four innings on that Thursday. That uh play was initially quote unquote suspended for 2 weeks and then uh you know I was just thinking we'll keep it rolling and I'll be really ready for the start of season and obviously that uh the more that came out that was just not going to be the case
3: so you you read different things and then you hear pitching coaches saying that you know maybe a a step back and then a rebuild is the way to go whenever they they give clearance and and if there is a season um Or do you stay built up? What are you trying to do?
1: Yeah, like I said, I've been in contact a lot with uh, Ruben Niebla uh, lately, who's the new assistant pitching coach. And um, what he kind of sees best for all of us is to uh, stay somewhat built up. Uh, when, When spring training starts, we're really trying to shoot for being three innings ready. So... What does that mean? It means trying to throw simulated games into a net. Uh, maybe I set up uh, uh, an iPad and, you know, look at different stances of guys so that I can have some sort of visualization while I'm throwing into the net. But for now, I'm, i got a couple decent-sized grass hills in my backyard and front yard, and I'll probably wear out, wear, wear them out making those mounds, and uh, hopefully I don't hit too many windows.
3: i oh, sorry. <laughs> How close is the nearest house? Now, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> I'm all right. I, I'm all right. It's just going to be the neighbor's window, which I don't think they'll be too upset. I won't be mine.
3: So you mentioned all these people you talked to. Have you checked in with Brandon Kanky, the, the head groundskeeper here, on how to build a good mound? Or <laughs> do, you, do you feel pretty good about that?
1: Uh, I'm just going to use nature's mound, just some grass humps and whatnot, feel about what an, an inch every you know foot feels like, and, and guess what about 60 feet 6 looks like.
3: And you mentioned throwing into a net um, Mm -hmm. and some of that social distancing. I'm sure you have to be careful who you play catch with, but even just finding someone to to play catch or catch a bullpen as a major league pitcher, I wouldn't imagine that's the easiest
1: thing. No, but luckily Cameron Rupp, who was in spring with us, he lives uh, about 20 minutes north of me. There's a guy named Chase Anderson who's a a major league starter with Toronto. Uh, He's been with Milwaukee and a few other places um, and, and he needs a guy to stay ready. So he's practicing social distancing. Um, obviously, I am, and and uh, you imagine that anybody that's in Major League Baseball uh, is is just wanting to get back and get ready to play again. So I think as a whole, the, the community is, is ready to get back and play. Therefore, we're doing all the precautions we possibly can.
3: Adam, uh, just to, to lighten things up a little bit, your background, I think a lot of people know you, you pitched for – UCLA in college and some very good teams, a College World Series winner there. Uh, Growing up in Southern California, was it a slam dunk if if you had the talent to go to UCLA, or or were there some other schools in the mix for you that you had to decide?
1: There were definitely other schools in the mix. Uh, It being such a hotbed for college baseball, um, I mean, I went to a lot of places. I looked at Fullerton. Um, Ultimately, it came down to three places. It came down to USC. Uh, University of Oregon, who had just started their their baseball program up again. They, When I was about to be a freshman, they had maybe played two seasons, and then uh, UCLA. And and funny enough, uh, growing up, I was a really big USC fan because of all the, the football teams that were there. I mean, the football teams were incredible and winning year in and year out, so everybody I feel like in Southern California was a huge USC fan, and uh, the more that I talked to Coach John Savage at UCLA, it, it became a uh, apparently clear that that was going to be the best option for me
3: and you mentioned usc and football baseball history wise and i know you're, you're pretty good on your history with, with different sports uh, they have a pretty good tradition too in, in terms of baseball
1: they absolutely do and funny enough their last national championship was uh won by coach gillespie and his pitching coach was john savage at, at usc so um i i felt like i was getting the best of both worlds uh, a guy that one at USC, and not only that, now is running his own program at an elite level when you look at guys like Brandon Crawford, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, uh, to name a few um, that were there when when I was around.
3: And uh, while you were there, uh, you met your wife, Allison, a gymnast at, at UCLA, and uh, when you talk about Olympic gymnastics, I know that, that can be a feeder program. Uh, how good was, was your wife, gymnastics-wise? Can, can you share that?
1: yeah so it's it's really tough because everybody understands the olympics and those five girls are i mean hall of famers no matter what you make the olympics you're a hall of famer so what she was would be an everyday major league player um she wasn't a hall of famer as far as gymnastics go but she had a long career and she was an everyday player and and uh she answered the bell every time it was wrong you know
3: so when when you look back at that um uh... In appreciation uh, from both ends, her end and your end, on what the other sport entails as you guys are going through your college careers?
1: Oh, absolutely. She's she's a way better athlete than I'll ever be. I'll <laughs> say that flat out. I mean, I hope my son gets her genes because she was an incredible athlete and uh, and did things athletically probably a lot better than I could ever dream of. Now, uh, that that I'm honestly saying, being a, a major league baseball player, is – Uh, She was an incredible athlete.
3: Now, you're saying that uh, as someone, just looking back here through your your bio, you did some good things on the high school football field. And I know, (laughs) (laughs) tell us about it. Could you have kicked in college or or was that just
1: something you did in high school on the side? Uh, I really don't have a good answer for you. Um, I I came into high school and um, the, the kicker on the varsity team went down with, I couldn't even tell you what and I'd never done it before but you know I grew up playing everything outside all day long in Southern California and um, I was playing freshman football as a quarterback and a free safety and um, did some different stuff played wide receiver and tight end when we needed it Um, anyways they the varsity team asked for a kicker and the guy who was the varsity kicker was also the JV kicker so then they had to reach down and look at some freshman kickers. And I was like, I'll try it. I've, I've never really done it, but I'll try it. So, um, yeah, that's the story there. And were
3: you one of those straight on
1: guys with the, that, that
3: steel toe <laughs> foot or, or the side guy?
1: No, I didn't play with Jim Brown. So I was, a, <laughs> I was a soccer style kicker.
3: Well, Adam, listen, thanks so much for, for coming by. It's fun to, to take a look back at some fun stuff. And uh, just to, to leave us with you're going through this time where it's normally baseball season for everybody in the game. Um, what do you miss most, if, if you can pin something down that, that would be the, the thing that you miss most during this time?
1: Uh, I, honestly, I, I probably miss more than anything just doing my job and um, being in the dugout with everybody, but uh, especially the fans. I mean, everybody cheering loud on a Friday night at, at Progressive. That's what you play for. That's, that's the fun, exciting parts. And so to not have um, the fan atmosphere, to not have any atmosphere – uh, it's it's pretty weird, but uh, trying to stay safe the best I can and uh, appreciate all the, the medical professionals who are doing their job and, and not a very fun time. So uh, just trying to stay safe and enjoy a little bit of time with my family.
3: Well, hopefully it, this doesn't last too much longer. Obviously, we don't know, but uh, when we do get back, I know you'll be a big part of it, and I appreciate you taking some time today to, to chat with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Rosie.
3: That's Adam Pletko and, and uh, different players and coaches that we've been able to catch up with uh, during this time of the shutdown. Uh, have mentioned the same thing. They miss the fans. They miss that, that buzz around the ballpark, especially on a night where it's a good Friday night here in Cleveland and there's fireworks coming and uh, maybe it's a big game in terms of pennant race implications. Uh, that's what they miss Um, as they've had to stay home and and just try and do things on their own, which isn't easy. So we thank Adam for his time, and stay tuned. We'll have some final thoughts after this break on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who deserves to win big this season? My two cents, good drivers. I mean, that's why there's Snapshot from Progressive. Let's go to Rick for some confusing metaphors. Look, if you put a classically trained cellist
2: in a garage band and you tell him to play for Layman Young... I guarantee you, the meat on that burrito ain't going to light the candle.
0: Thanks for clarifying, Rick.
3: If you're a good driver, there's no other way to say it. You deserve discounts with Snapshot. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents.
3: Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you for our final segment on this week's show. And just a couple of reminders as we try and uh, keep you in tune with baseball during this time where there is none. Uh, We do have our weekly show here, Tribe Talk. You can catch it on the Indians Radio Network. Many of the stations picking it up, it usually drops on Saturday late afternoon around 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, depending on your local station on the radio network. You can also hear Tribe Talk on Indians.com or as a podcast at Apple iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you pick up your podcasts. Each week, and uh, that's where we'll be starting. Uh, Usually, sometime Saturday evening, it will drop. So, uh, we hope you can find us there. You can follow us on Twitter at Indians Radio is our Twitter address. One of the things we've been doing uh, during the break is uh, following an Indian season as a simulated season on MLB The Show 20. Uh, we do about a two three minute recap daily of uh, what transpired in the simulated game and the Indians are actually off to a, a really good start as uh, they were out to a six and two start heading into play on Saturday and we're following the exact schedule that they would have played and we just let the computer uh, handle things in terms of how they, feel it would go based on the Indians' roster and their opponents' rosters, and uh, hopefully have a chance to, to catch that. Some hammy calls in there and, and a brief recap, and uh, you'll see the familiar faces of your Cleveland Indians, computer-generated, but it, it's a lot of fun. and We post that on the Indians' YouTube channel. It's also on Instagram and occasionally on Twitter, and I'll try and retweet that on Twitter for you as well to keep you up to date on the Indians' simulated season on MLB The Show 20. It's uh, it's a small thing, but uh, hopefully it helps you get through during this time with no baseball. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. Hope you can join us next week. Thanks to Brian Matze, as always, for helping to put together our show each week. Until next week, stay safe. This is Jim Rosenhouse. You've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
2: Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.